Welcome to Her Own Boss, the podcast created by recent graduates to help you find your inner entrepreneur. Her Own Boss is created by Anissa, Ben, Sarah, Megan, Lucy, and me, Nikki. Alex Farrell is a serial entrepreneur, founding companies such as the IT Job Board and Giftwink in the recruitment and e-commerce industries. Currently, Alex is the CEO of Workfinder, a work experience platform that is kind of like a dating app for students, matching young people up with meaningful work experience opportunities in startups and scale-ups. We talk all about the importance of work experience in defining your career path and how Alex has defined her career from law graduate to founder to CEO. Enjoy! This episode is sponsored both by RISE, created by Barclays, and Barclays Eagle Labs. RISE is a global community of the world's top fintech innovators on a mission to connect technology, talent, and trends, and to accelerate innovation and growth in the financial services industry. Eagle Labs are a national network that supports individuals, businesses, and corporates innovate and grow across a broad range of different sectors and with varied capabilities. Hi, Alex. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you this afternoon? Yeah, very well, thank you. Are you ready for our quick fire questions? As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so the first one is, would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? Oh, that's a difficult one, isn't it? I have uh, regular conversations with my son about these superpowers, uh, so this isn't new to me. I would rather fly, um, easily fly. And then in a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, gosh. That is difficult. Um, I guess it depends if you're going comedy or they're playing it straight, really. There's some sort of really funny female comedians. Is it Kirsten Wig? People like that. So I guess if it was a yes, funny movie, yeah. I'd want somebody like that. If, if you're know, if you going to have it played straight, you'd obviously want someone like Meryl Streep or someone like that. But no, I think I'd go comedy. I think I'd go Kirsten Wig. I think everyone would want Meryl Streep to play them, whether or not she looks like you or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's the, that's the, you know, that's the ultimate, isn't it? <laughs> and then final one, tea or coffee? Oh, gosh. Can I have both? I have to start with a tea and then, and then I do <laughs> multiple coffees. So if I had to choose one, it would be coffee eight times a day. Yeah, I drink far too much coffee. Yeah, yeah agreed. I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So it's so great to have you on the podcast. The whole team are really excited to have you on. Just to kind of get us going, do you want to introduce yourself to all of the listeners and tell us a bit about you and what you do? Well, look, it's my pleasure to, to be on. So thank you for inviting me. So I um, am the CEO of a business called Workfinder, which is a technology platform that matches young talent with work experience. It's an app and a web platform. My background is I'm an entrepreneur and I focus on two-sided marketplaces. Fantastic. And I definitely want to ask a bit more about your background a bit later, but I think to start off with a bit more about Workfinder, because I remember when I was in uni and looking for work experience, I feel like there was nothing really like this. And the traditional way that you got work experience was to ask an uncle or an aunt or speak to your parents and be like, hey, are any of your mates like got any work experience going? Um, so what is kind of the essential model for WorkFinder and what was the inspiration behind it? You, you hit, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, um, work experience is an interesting area because it, it's very, very, very fragmented. And um, it's not like a job where everybody knows what a job is. It's a defined unit. Everybody knows how to find one, where to find one, what it entails. Work experience can mean many things to many people. It can be paid or unpaid. It can be structured or unstructured. There isn't a sort of finite supply. No one really always knows where to find it. And it's largely kind of almost split in two. It's either very structured internships at big companies, and there's actually a relatively small amount of them considering the the, the size of the the young person population who wants them, 
or it's a free market where it's exactly what you said. You ask people you know, you network, you actually create the opportunities by asking for it rather than applying to a structured listing, as it were. And WorkFinder, I mean, our, our mission is to democratise work experience. It should be available to all. You know, work experience is the biggest barrier to employability in this country. You often can't get a job unless you've got some experience. Wow. Yet the uh, ability to get work experience is very limited, it's very fragmented. Um, and actually the sort of, I guess, accepted amount of work experience is, is very low. People expect to only get sort of one cycle of work experience while they're in higher education or one cycle or two cycles of work experience at a school. Actually, we, we believe you need six to eight cycles of work experience before you actually have a really good understanding of what you want to do, you know, and some of it actually should be bits that you don't like as much as bits that you do. So yes, WorkFind is, 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 is a two-sided platform and we match young talent with companies to get them cycles of work experience. Um, the, the young person benefits by getting brilliant work done um, and experiencing work as a result. And the company benefits by getting brilliant work done by a motivated and flexible workforce. Wow, I can't believe that work, like lack of work experience is the number one barrier to employment. I think that, yeah, that's that's insane. And I think what you're saying there is right. So a lot of people think like, oh, I'll just do one or two work experiences, you know, just a couple of weeks and then I'll, I'll, I'll know what I want to do. But in reality, I think it takes a lot longer than that because I've been out of uni for two years now and I still don't know exactly what I want to do for the rest of my career so it's interesting that we would expect young people even before they get to uni to do a work experience placement and then know exactly what it is that they want to do. What are the kind of skills that people get from the work finder placements? What's kind of unique about doing that versus going through one of the kind of corporate structured work experiences? So that's a good question and actually there's kind of there's almost sort of a couple of different ways that people give work experience Um, and one is a structured program in which people work shadow other people and watch how they do it. the work finder way is slightly different. We ask our young talent to do actual work. And then as a result of them doing the actual work, they earn those skills that will take them through to their future career. So there are a number of different ways you can you can you can do work experience, as it were. And some and some structured schemes out there are brilliant. You know, some of the big companies out there are excellent at this and have been excellent at it for many years but there's not enough of them to go around. Um, and often those internships are very long. They're sort of, you know, you apply in the September and you get your three month internship the following summer. Um, so it's it's a very structured programme. What WorkFinder does differently, I think, is, is two things. Is one, access to a larger range of work experience opportunities. So what we don't do is just offer young people access to those kind of internships from those big companies that people will have heard of. Our absolute focus is startups and scale-ups, which is a huge segment of companies. There are millions and millions of startups and scale-ups in this country, Mm. whereas actually there are only tens of thousands of big corporations in this country. So the scale of opportunity is much bigger. The second is the type of work experience available. What we offer at Work Experience is the ability for companies to post real work projects as opposed to just work shadowing. So if a startup or a scale-up says, I'd like two weeks Mm. of UX work done, or I'd like someone to do my Instagram channel for me for four weeks, they can post that. Now, feasibly, it's not work experience, it's work. Yeah, <laughs> It's an actual piece of valuable work that actually the company finds hugely valuable, but that the student can get work experience through doing. So that's the main difference, actually, is the fact that we offer companies the ability to post work projects as opposed to just what traditional in- internships, we more about learning and less about executing. 
which enables the startups and scale-ups to get in on the act. And it enables students to actually get some great valuable work done. So instead of saying I shadowed somebody around their job, yeah. I actually did the job. And at the end of it, I produced mm-hmm. my project and I can see that it's been impactful because I can see it on their social media feed or, you know, I can see they've got three more, more customers as a result. That's so cool. And this has just popped into my head. I might be kind of off the mark here, but it kind of sounds like a, like a dating app but for students and work experience. Is that, <laughs> is that a fair statement? It is a fair statement. You could say it's Tinder for work experience. I haven't, you said it, but we're nearly there. Right. So to mo- most two-sided, <laughs> you're right, you know, most two-sided marketplaces is some kind of matchmaking process in the middle. And any kind of talent platform is the same, right? I want this, uh, you want that, you know, is there a match here? So I would like to do this work or gain these skills on the candidate side. I need this work done on the company side, then there's some magic in the middle, right? Now, what's really brilliant about two-sided platforms is you can use data and, and artificial intelligence to make that you know, work a bit like a dating platform. Historically, recruitment platforms would say, here's a list of things, jobs or opportunities, and the candidate would just search through all of them. You know, that was the model about 10 years ago. What happens now, it goes, tell us what you're into and we'll serve you three or four that are absolutely great. You don't need to search through the thousands that we've got on our platform. We're going to serve you the right one. So when you say you're a second year maths undergraduate um, at Loughborough, and we know that means you're taking these modules, we might go, actually, have you thought about cybersecurity? This firm's around the corner from you. Mm-hmm. Claire's the uh, chief product officer. Why don't you do two weeks worth of UX with them? So the data you get both from the company, you know, they're a cybersecurity firm, you know, they need some UX um, work done, and the student, she's studying computer science at, you know, wherever, means you can you can be an online dating agency, I guess, for want of a better analogy, for, you know, I need this, you want that, yeah. And that's what all platforms do. They match supply and demand, or they match, you know, production and co- consumption. Um, I don't think it's a bad analogy at all. And actually, if I, I don't want to take that dating analogy too far, but it is a good one. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know how Tinder works because I've never used it because I'm 46. What we do is once they've had a successful match and completed a project, is we'd like them to have another successful match and do another successful project. So we don't want them to stop at their first date, as it were. What we'd like mm-hmm. them to do is have several successful dates. So at the end of it, they've got a great profile that says, I've completed these seven successful projects. This means I've almost accredited myself in UX. I've done some design. I've done this project here. So it becomes a kind of, mm-hmm. you know, a virtual CV of, 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 of credits of, of learned skills through doing real work rather than work shadowing someone. Yeah, I think it's so cool. And I think what I love most about it when you're explaining it there is that it's a platform that works just as well for the students or the recent graduates as it does for the companies. Because when I was applying for jobs in uni, it felt like all of the kind of careers websites and, you know, Indeed or whatever other job listing websites, they're there for employers. And then you as the person trying to be employed is kind of doing everything you can to try and figure out if it's the right thing for you, but then also make yourself sound like the right employee for them. Whereas this seems like you do try and get the best kind of relationship for both parties, which I think is great. You know, historically, this kind of stuff was done in sort of career fairs, right? Yeah. And, you know, companies visiting universities and saying, we'd like to offer you work experience. You know, there are, there are, there, everything's moved online, yeah, in a very, very sophisticated way in models such as online dating. This should be online too, you know, and that's what our vision is, is to make it accessible to all in a way that uses data really, really, and we'll know we've got it right 
when somebody does a great um, two-week session or work experience or four weeks as a project with, I don't know, a Deliveroo or a Facebook or a cybersecurity firm and then goes, great, I've enjoyed that. And then the next suggestion exactly hits the mark. We do the work of a virtual careers department, not just here's a list of stuff for you to go and do the work to find your next cycle, but we give you a perfect suggestion, which is right, not just in terms of the company or the sort of genre, I'd like to do marketing. I think the person that you're shadowing is right the actual project is the right length, it's got the right detail behind it. So yeah, it's all about the uh, the data points that we can match people on, yeah. Yeah, that's fab. And I, I have to ask, what do you look for when people sign up to your platform? How can you, as someone looking for work experience, maximise your chances of getting a good match? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, do you know what? In, in the world of recruitment or sort of matching talent to opportunity, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So... It's not for me to say, actually, it's actually for the hiring company and the candidate that's looking for the work to get it right. Because what, you know, what, what is one person's perfect candidate isn't another person's. There's an assumption that high attainment students are what everybody wants. Not necessarily. You know, not everybody wants students that have got a first from Oxford, actually. You know, lots of companies say, well, I'd actually like diversity in the mix. And I'd like people who've not necessarily got the top mark from Oxford, but have shown that they've been resilient through their background and achieved more than they could have done if they hadn't been given back. There's lots of different um, things that companies are looking for. So it's an interesting question. What should I put to get uh, the right placement? It depends on who you're applying for. Yeah. So what you have to do is look at the company you're applying for and the, and the opportunity that they're offering and just tailor your application to it. So if a company says, I'm looking for somebody to do two weeks worth of UX experience, simply saying, I've looked at your company, I've referenced how you currently do it. This is what I think I could bring to that role. But just showing that you've taken into account what, what the company does is pretty much what most companies are looking for, because that makes all the difference. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a piece of advice that you kind of continually get whenever you're going for a new a new job or trying to change roles is just to be specific I know it can be so tempting when you're about to leave uni and you're like I just need a job to just send like blanket applications but I think it's always better to take your time and be picky about where you would actually want to work and then adjusting your application um, in that way and you know what there's nothing wrong with being genuinely enthusiastic when you Mm. feel it you know and I think you can get very formal around job hunting or any kind of professional outreach But actually, everybody wants to work with somebody who's enthusiastic about their company and about them. So, you know, Mm. I've seen you. I love what you do. I think it's amazing that you're doing X, Y, and Z. And I'd really like to work with you because of that. That goes a million miles. I think we live in a world where people are looking for a personal connection. And we don't always have to be that formal at work. We can show that we're enthusiastic or curious or interested or proud of what we can bring. So I think having a genuine openness and enthusiasm in to make it more personal to stand out is really worthwhile too yeah definitely what kind of work experience did you do growing up before uni during uni to kind of bring you to where you are today oh gosh (laughs) a big question I mean (laughs) obviously I didn't have the benefit of online platforms when I was um Mm -hmm. going through school and university I'm actually from South Wales and from Swansea and um, I I went to university in, in Plymouth um and I originally wanted to be a lawyer, not sure why, because I'm clearly not a lawyer and I would be te- a terrible <laughs> lawyer, but I did study a law degree and my work experience as a result was was at a solicitor's office just before I went to university. I think I did it when I was at my A-levels and I think somebody, a friend of a friend got it for me. It basically wasn't a work experience that set the world on fire. Mm. It was essentially doing admin in a legal office. It doesn't give you any you know, view on what being a lawyer was. It just shows you how to do admin or secretarial services for a, for a legal firm. Right. Uh, it didn't weirdly put me off. It should have done. 
uh, but, but I only had that. That was the only piece of work experience I did. Um, I did a law degree and then decided not to be a lawyer, mainly through the, the course rather than uh, I kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur. I really liked sales. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's the only work experience I had. Um, other than that, I did lots of work, which probably yeah. didn't steer me into it either, but lots of kind of jobs. And some of them were in sales and maybe they were a bit more impactful than the actual work experience. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested to ask how you knew that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and go into that as something that we've kind of heard from listeners and some of the other women we've had on the podcast as well is that, you know, they didn't really think about being an entrepreneur. They just had an, a great idea and wanted to pursue that or they kind of slowly built their way into being a business owner. It's probably what you've just said. I mean, I um, I ended up doing sales after my law degree. I had yes. I didn't have the most illustrious start to my career. I actually, my first job was um, selling coat hangers uh, on the phone. Oh, so um, definitely not on the yeah. phone. <laughs> cold calling <laughs> on the phone. Yeah. So actually, what I'm very very good at is cold calling people. I'm one of the few people who actually enjoys cold calling and direct sales. Oh wow! I don't think sales is a dirty word. I think it's actually yeah it, it, an integral part of building a successful business. Um, sales and a desire to do well in the world of work, which I think I had, I was quite motivated, mm. naturally leads you into running a business. Because you know, running a business is about, you know, selling stuff. That's essentially what it's about. It doesn't matter if you're a technology business or, or something else. You've got to sell stuff if you're going to survive. And yeah, I think I was quite driven and maybe unemployable to some extent, which is possibly why I kind of run my own business in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with sales first, which took me into running a business for sure. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. I feel like I would call you a serial entrepreneur because you. I know that you founded other businesses in the past. Could you tell us a little bit about those businesses, first of all, but then also what have you learned along the way from those different experiences? Absolutely. So I was, I was very lucky to start a, an online business, a job board business, just as the web was becoming commercially successful. So I launched a business called the IT Job Board, which was a tech careers platform in ninety nine. And because the web was very new commercially, there were no homegrown players. There was no David and Goliath. Everybody was having a good go and no one really knew what they were doing. And it was loads of fun. I did it with my friend. And, you know, it was it was it was like a land grab and the Wild West at the same time. Um, I grew that business over 15 years to become the biggest tech careers platform in Europe. And I sold it to a big American firm, yeah. which was great fun. But it was a great journey. We grew it across Europe. And, you know, so there were some really great experiences there from A, doing a startup, B, growing across mm-hmm. Europe an exit, a trade sale, an earn out, all the stuff that, you know, from, it was like a case study, start start a business, sell it um, successfully. So that was really great. And some of my best friends I met along the way, still in touch. We had a bunch of IT job board weddings and babies. Um, so it was not just oh. about, yeah, it wasn't just about, you know, it was a successful business and a successful transaction and sale at the end. You know, people internally made brilliant friends. You know, it, it was a really nice company. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um I also built after that, I sold that and then I had a two months off and then I built a retail platform called Giftwink, um, which I did, uh, spent three and a half years on before I sold to a big publishing firm in the UK. That was slightly different. It didn't get to the scale that the um, first one did, the technology platform did, mm-hmm. um, but I really enjoyed it. I, again, I did that with a friend. We had great fun. It was a new industry retail for me. I'd done recru- online recruitment versus online retail. So I learned a lot. I don't think I knew enough about retail to launch that business. So one of the lessons learned there was actually, you know, really need to understand your industry. I didn't, uh, I, I would say it was a platform that sold stuff rather than a retailer. However, I could have done with knowing a bit more about retail for that one. But again, a successful transaction at the end. Workfinder actually was founded by a lady called Sherry Katu, um, and I'm the CEO for it. So even though I've come aboard at the very start, it was it was her idea. It's a cracking idea. And I'm in really enjoying working with somebody of her calibre. 
So for me, she's an inspirational leader in the global world of, of, of online um, marketplaces. And I'm very, very lucky to work with her on this. Um, lessons learned. I would say that my main lesson for anybody in business is that data always leads the way. The data tells us everything we need to know. So if we aren't looking at the data, we're in trouble. And if we ignore the data, I'll, you know, we're, we're, it's really at our peril. So the, looking at the data predominantly around our customers will tell us everything we need to know. The other thing is I would say, make sure you have fun. Because at the IT job board, I had a brilliant time. They had a brilliant time at giving. I'm really not about coming to work unless it's loads of fun. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy the success of business, but not on its own. It, you know, actually, I'm going to spend eight to 10 hours a day on something. I want to make sure I have a really good laugh. So I do think having fun at work is, it's not a side product for me. It's fundamentally a big part of, of why I do what I do. Um, so there's the data piece, there's the fun piece. And then the other bit I would say is, you know, understand your customer. And, you know, I really understand the world of online recruitment um, more than, for example, I understood the world of online retail. What are the drivers for the customer to spend more money here or to spend more frequently here? People in retail would have known that. I didn't know that. I had to learn it very quickly. So those were the, those were the bits I learned along the way, really. Yeah, probably still a lot more to learn. So when you founded Giftwink, did you know that you didn't know a lot about retail or was it not until kind of looking back in hindsight, you think if I had known a little bit more, I would have done, you know, X, um, Y and Z differently? <laughs> I didn't know. They say you don't know what you don't know. So it was, a, it was, a, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of had an idea in my head and I was passionate about to go and do it. And actually, if entrepreneurs needed to know enough about their topic to launch a business, they never would. Right. So maybe yeah. it's the sort of, you know, slightly insane overconfidence that entrepreneurs have, which gets them through. Because actually, I didn't know enough about that topic, but I still had to go. And sometimes it was useful that I didn't know because I didn't behave like a retailer. And sometimes it wasn't useful because I didn't behave. So, you know, when you're launching a, a challenger, a model that's new and innovative, it's good to not know, right? It's very difficult to be innovative and, and, cha and a challenger brand in a market that you've worked in for 15 years. Because actually, you've got, you've got your blinkers on. It's, it's, it, it works like this. I can't think of any other way which is why often the, the challenges don't come from the industry, right? So there's something useful in launching a, a disruptive online retail platform if you don't understand retail. But there are some, there are some nuggets I should have known. Um, but actually what you can do, which is what you, what, which, I, which I did do, is hire people that do know. So one of my first hires was a lady who was very senior from Not on High Street. Um, and a second hire was someone very senior from ASOS. Okay, yeah. So you can go and hire people who know this stuff. You know, as long as you're reviewing the data, our customers pressing that button and buying more than they did last week and you've got the right people around you so I learned very quickly about delivery being more important than mm -hmm. sometimes price. So with that in mind then how do you know when you're ready to start a business or to, to sell a business or to transition because I think you're right in that entrepreneurs tend to be very confident but for people who feel that imposter syndrome or like they're not confident enough and think well I just I simply just don't know enough to start my business what what's the kind of point where you have to be like you just have to give it a go and learn versus waiting until you know everything because you'll never really know everything right you never really know everything and actually um yeah your your what you think the business model is and what it ends up being mm. could be actually two different companies right so you'll start with a set of assumptions that is my business is going to do this and i'm going to make money like that and it will almost certainly be something entirely different yeah. so you start with a hypothesis and test it and go that bit was wrong oh that bit was interesting let's do a bit more of that bit and off you go so, so you're never really gonna you're never really ready I think the other um the event that makes you is when you just can no longer not start it 
So there's a point at which you go, I actually have to start this business because it's on my mind so much. It's so hard to do a startup, but actually, um, you know, you really have to be committed and you really have to understand that there's going to be some really tough challenges ahead. So it's it's not a bad thing that the, you, you have to almost get to a state of mind where you go, I've got to give this a go because I can't leave it alone. You know, that's kind of how it tends to work. Yeah, that makes sense. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is what it's like to be a CEO and what it means to be a CEO, because I don't know, and I don't know if many young people know what the difference is between being the CEO versus being a founder and if the skills you need are the same or if they're different. Do you know, it's a very interesting. I've, I've only ever recently been a CEO in the last 12 months for WorkFinder, working with Sherry Katu versus being a founder of my own company. So I've been a founder for, I don't know, 25 years and I've been a CEO for one year. I think there is a difference in role. Um, when you are a CEO of somebody else's business, then fundamentally you are working with a team of people who also have input into the vision and how the companies run. Now, depending on who this founder is, that may look multiple different ways. But ultimately, being the CEO, you don't necessarily have, I guess, the ultimate flexibility of decision making that you have if you're a founder, right? So if you're the founder of a company, ultimately, if you choose to, you can run it whichever way you want. You can do whatever you want. You might decide to run it in a very flexible uh, way that has very, very low um, structure. Um, You may not choose to be very formal in your corporate governance. You may choose to do different funding pieces. You may choose to self-fund. There's lots of different ways you can do it as a founder. If you're the CEO of a company, and it tends to therefore mean that someone else is the founder, or there are a group of investors around you, then ultimately decision-making will look slightly different. So if you are going to be a CEO rather than a founder, you know, my advice would be choose who you're the CEO of. You know, are you the CEO of a structured company? Are you the CEO of a big company, a small company? Is autonomy important to you? Is a certain type of team important to you? Is the company heavy on corporate governance or not? So so, so it's, it's the environment is dictated by you entirely if you're the founder unless you're heavily you know funded and then it will be partially dictated by your board and your shareholders versus if you're the CEO it's going to be dictated by a different bunch of people yeah at what point if you're a founder do you know that you need a CEO or could you never have one could you always be the person that's in charge personally I'd find it very difficult as the fact I'm a founder Mm. CEO kind of person so when I'm running a business I'm running a business I would find it almost impossible to be a founder and let someone else run the business yeah now in a situation where I'm in now where I'm the CEO and I have a founder there's a reason why that is and that's because Sherry who's the founder is is, is a true truly successful um, entrepreneur and um, business person and therefore she does multiple things what she isn't is the sort of person that runs one company you know so it's obvious that with Sherry she would I would never see Sherry as a CEO founder because she is she's she's truly plural you know she is on the board of many public companies she's an investor she is a founder of a couple of different brands at the moment so I, I can see why she you know wouldn't be a founder CEO Whereas for me, I love once I've got an idea in my head and I'm executing it, I can be very, very, very single minded and focused. I find it very difficult to be plural at the moment still. I quite enjoy throwing myself into something and making it my absolute life for that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, And then I've got a couple of questions about what tips you would give to young women or even to yourself kind of in hindsight, who are just getting started out in their careers? Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I, what, what tips would I give? I'd say, first of all, just have a go. Go for it. 
you know, what's the worst that can happen? Except that you will make some mistakes. I think right now, you know, the world is really clear that it's good to fail fast. For example, that message comes from all the big um, um, startups and scale-ups. That wasn't the case when I started. Failure wasn't cool. It wasn't part of your journey to becoming successful. So the first thing I would say, just have a go. It's worthwhile having a go, right? Um, the second would be to have confidence in speaking your opinions, right? And if you haven't got confidence in speaking your opinions, find out something that will make you feel confident. So if you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling underconfident, I don't feel I can say that, then what would help me say that? Is it being better educated in a certain topic? Is it having somebody in the room that will prompt you to put your hand up a bit more often? You know, whatever it is, make sure you do those things to get you there. Like I remember when I was relatively early in my career, I felt like I needed to be better informed. So I started reading a decent paper every day, you know, a proper paper, and I'd read it religiously every day. And it made me feel much more confident in just that small talk that happens before meetings. And I don't mean football small talk. I mean, gosh, did you see what happened in the economy? Or did you see what happened in politics? Or, so I, and I, and I now obviously really enjoy reading a decent paper every day. I used to sit on the board of a, of a FTSE 250 company. And what I did there is there was another uh, lady on the board. The rest were obviously all men. We had a bit of a deal going on, me and her, that if I spoke, mm-hmm. she would she would come in and prop me up. And if she spoke, I would Aww. come in and prop her up, right? Because sometimes it, you needed it. If you don't have the confidence to speak, find something that gives you the confidence to speak. Whatever tactic or initiative it is, just figure it out. If it's reading a paper, getting someone to man mark you in the meeting, because I think it can get in our way, you know, that, oh, I wish I'd said that, or I wish I'd said that in the meeting, I had confidence, mm-hmm. I had a really great point to make, but it's passed me by, and now I can't add it, and, and you know, there you're agonising over, God, I could have done a really good job in that meeting, but I didn't say my bit, just get, get your opinions out there, yeah, and enjoy then getting them out there. Yeah, definitely, and you've kind of preempted my final question, which is the same in all um, episodes, but it's what gives you confidence, I don't know if there's anything else beyond you know being well educated or well informed and then also having kind of an ally in the room with you that that you do to give yourself confidence well, well and you, and yes exactly so the, the, what ultimately gives me confidence is knowing what I'm talking about and passionately believing in it so if I know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about and I passionately believe it nothing is going to stop me saying my bit right you know because then that's where the real debate lies right mm-hmm. we don't want to be in a room with people who are saying things because they think it sounds good you know, I want people who've got something really interesting to say and passionately believe in it, you know, and if we're in a room full of people like that, that's when the magic happens. So I think that's what it's about. I think it's about absolutely having something to say, but passionately believing it at the same time. It's a good answer. Everyone likes to know what they're talking about, right? Absolutely. And especially to be speaking on something that you're so passionate about. Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the episode. This has been super insightful. Um, it's been great to hear more about WorkFinder. Again, I wish, wish, wish that it was around when I was in uni. Um, but then also just about your career experiences as well. Well, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having the time for me this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review and let us know who else you'd like us to interview. You can find out more about us by searching Her Own Boss Podcast on Instagram and LinkedIn. 